2: Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse.
4: Imperatrix called upon, still three weeks in front, and the Tangerine Tsunami's going to do it again. Imperatrix won it well. Without a fight, runs on, lays in on top of Gold Trip. West Wind blows 100 to go. Without a fight, coming at it. Without a fight, West Wind blows their heads in unison. Without a fight, without a fight for the Caulfield Cup. Romantic warrior Mr. Brightside, still alligator blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it with Brightside.
2: The breaking racing news. The stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate.
4: It's absurd moving up on the outside for Zach Purden. A length in front, but without a fight, is running on right down the centre of the track. Without a fight, up to absurd bow and declare and Shiraz the Volta. It's without a fight. A hundred meters to go. Two or three lengths in front, coming away from Shiraz and also Sulcom without a fight a Melbourne Cup champion two second in the race was Sulcombe, third Shiraz.
3: good morning and welcome to racing pulse in this post Melbourne Cup special edition what a day it was yesterday at Flemington Australia's most iconic race delivered once again Mark Zara the cups King two Melbourne Cups in succession with different horses to add to his two Caulfield Cups as well. It was one of the all-time brilliant rides in a Melbourne Cup. And the Friedman dynasty once again etching their name on Australia's greatest race for young Sam Friedman, who we'll speak to this morning. It was the biggest moment of his career and his ever... Reclusive and casual father Anthony Freedman gets his first Melbourne Cup win in his own right after partnering with his brother Lee with five melbourne cups it was a phenomenal day um there were a few bubbles that burst and there were a few horses that ran absolutely incredible races in the melbourne cup we will dissect and review it all this morning with maddie stewart and mick Sharkey and Sharkey will also give us a special oak State preview we are two days down in the fabulous four-day melbourne cup carnival as i say good morning to maddie stewart and mick sharky it delivered once again the <laughs> melbourne cup
2: yeah it did michael it was uh you know you know, you could look at the the the, the big double-page finish in the cup and, and even look at it in reverse and work out, gee, as you say, some bubbles really burst. I wonder whether the hot, steamy day may have it really was affected... It really hot out there. Yeah, whether the vow bands of this world may have found conditions that they had never been, you know, like a huge furnace crowd, a, a really warm, windy sort of northerly day, Whether whether that played a role in some of the flops. But to me, the two takeouts were... Anthony Friedman winning a Melbourne Cup in his own name with his son. Uh, he was part of that FBI journey for so long. And you know, I think this is a you know another big framed photo of another mm. big Friedman up there in the Hall of Fame, isn't it? Lee Friedman, Anthony Friedman. And Mark Zara, king of the Melbourne Cup and king of the jockeys. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen a better group of jockeys assembled in one race in Australia. And one of ours, uh, Mark Zara... Um, we probably don't produce the horses to win the Melbourne Cup, but we produce the jockeys, don't we? So Zara, king of the world, and um, usual hard luck stories. I still, I've watched it a few times with Solcom. I'm not quite sure whether he would have won or not, but there's always a tease that comes out of the race, and that's the, the what-might-have-been horse, and he was the probably the what-might-have-been horse. There's been a lot of social media um, <coughs> blow-ups. A lot of it's embarrassing
3: to the people who have made those calls, oh, yeah. I feel personally. I, I think a lot of it's been... Outrageous! the social media um, fallout from Joe Marrera's ride on Sulcum. The horse missed the start by four lengths. It missed it by six lengths in the Caulfield Cup. There is nothing that the jockeys can do at the moment. He's a little like Chautauqua. He goes when he wants to go. And I've had a look at the replay many times. I had a look at the aerial shot as well. Because of the position that Sulcum puts himself in, there's not much Joe Marrera could have done. He was following Mark Zara on without a fight. Now, Mark Zara was getting the gaps and Joe Marrera wasn't. He was zigzagging, looking for gaps everywhere. He didn't zig right when he should have zagged left. The gaps simply weren't there. And it would not have made a difference. He would not have beaten without a fight in the Melbourne Cup.
2: Not sure about that. I think it would have got... I mean, Wayne Hawkes was on another station saying that uh, Sulcum was a, a total tragedy beaten I, But it doesn't matter. He didn't win. He wasn't. He was unlucky. He's he's a victim of his own racing style. He, he, Marira did the best he could to zigzag his way to victory, and it didn't happen. So, whatever, (laughs) you know, like so. The one that ran out of its skin was Shiraz and uh, Ashrun. And Ashrun, what a what a patch up story. Like Mar, used to did not have a good Melbourne Cup, but they did. They did at the same time with uh, Ashrun and uh, and so on. So yeah, a, a great Melbourne Cup. But I think to me, if I'm to rank the stories, it's old Grumpy himself on top and then Mark Zara, king of the jockeys.
5: Yeah, you're probably right. I, I think look, I was on Sulkham and it was unlucky to a degree, but I think you're right, Michael. I don't think it was going to beat without a fight. I don't, it was one of those races where I don't think anything was going to beat without a fight. It was going to win 800, Once, 900
3: from home. But if they Once both he had, he had launch, a clear
5: last 350 metres... No, no, it,
3: it, it wouldn't have... Maybe, have you seen the aerial maybe shot? Maybe the, the margin. He didn't closer. lose... That much ground by trying to it wasn't held up that much. The aerial shot shows zigzagging cost you ground. He was still, but it doesn't cost you two and a half lengths when the winner um, was pretty much throttled down. He was, he was a clear winner.
2: Yep,
5: yeah, he, he was, he was throttled down. He was explosive when when he launched and when Mark Zara asked for the effort. But it was a a great. I don't know. I just love Cup Day. I think it's my favourite day at the races. For the year, I know it's not the best undercard, but that's kind of what makes the day so great. The anticipation is built all around one race. After that race, somebody's life or a group of people's lives have changed because they've just won the Melbourne Cup. The, sitting in the stand in the members, it is full 20 to 25 minutes before the race. I had two young fellows in front of me. One was about nine or 10. The other was probably seven. It was their first ever Melbourne Cup, and they were so excited. They were just asking questions. They were separated from their parents because there weren't enough seats. So we were kind of keeping them company. And they were just asking questions about the race. How many laps? How many people do you think are here today? What does the winner get if he wins? How how much money does the jockey get? Asking all these questions. And they were just so itchy in their seat to watch it. And afterwards they turned around and went, that was so cool. And it's exactly right. It is such a cool event. It's a cool day. It's it's just a joy to be there and, and see another
2: edition. I think racing's made a really good comeback this this spring carnival. Uh, I mean, I was fearful of crowds because of cost and interest rates and pushback against racing, but Sydney's crowds have been huge. Caulfield Cup even though the place is a building site, great crowd, Cox Plate sold out, Derby Day strong enough. It could have been higher but I, but it was it was good. Melbourne Cup day I don't know what the crowd was about 80,000,
5: which was up 14% what do you think about, year. Maddie? Because I know, and I'm not having a go at you, but you've been wary, I guess, of a potential decline in, in yep. crowds this year. Absolutely. The protest situation was happening on the corner of Epsom Racecourse Road. They were all
2: doing what they want to do. But it it, it doesn't seem to... Well, that was confused with a, a Middle Eastern protest too, wasn't it? There was a Palestinian protest on the roundabout as well. Yeah,
5: there was a fair, I read bit, in the paper today. A fair bit going on there uh, at that intersection. But that it doesn't seem to be impacting this spring no. the oh, crowd oh. and people are aware i think as well of uh movements like uh kick up you know there's some really good content that went out well, yesterday think- from that organisation around the horses pulling up sound uh, well, what ex melbourne yeah. cup winners are doing there's there's the positive news now coming back against that
2: well, Ellie voice. Moore on the ABC, I was listening to yesterday, interviewed Dr Chris Witten about they were trying to make something out of four horses pulled up lame. And well,
3: to be honest, the age embarrassed itself yesterday. It was absolutely disgraceful. And I know Damien Ratcliffe is leaving, who's their chief racing writer. He's leaving to go to the Greyhounds. And they're struggling to find a new racing writer. And it doesn't surprise me after what they did yesterday online. Um, they had a headline on social media I, to be honest I haven't looked at the print edition I'd be, I would be hoping that the editors would have a greater sense of knowledge not to put anything in print <coughs> with the headline act that three horses pull up lame from the Melbourne Cup just trying to incite negative um, uh, feedback and social media worries where there is no context to a horse pulls up lame it's like a footballer pulling up a yeah. uh, from a grand final yep. the horses all finished the race perfectly well, Uh, the horse that was pulled up was Right You Are, which was well done from John Allen because the horse um, choked down, but once he got his breathing back, he walked back fine, the stables have all reported, so the sensationalist attitude to run a story online saying, this is the headline out of the Melbourne Cup, was just personally um, embarrassing for everyone involved at the age.
2: But but what also happened was... So Ellie Moore gets Dr Chris Whitten on from... And he and she gave him the platform to explain it and then she was satisfied. And I actually tweeted something a few days ago. The ABC, from completely abandoning uh, the Melbourne Cup three or four years ago, they had enormous coverage of the Melbourne Cup leading in. They had uh, Claire Lindop in the studio for an hour or so on the ABC going through horse by horse with an enthusiastic commentator like a host. So what I'm seeing is... And this is against what I thought would happen, really. I think racing's reinforced its, its reasonably strong position in the community. Like, the crowds have been big, the ABC's back on board, the protests were minimal, um, the safety measures have been vindicated. Well, I, I think
3: Race of Victoria needs to... Uh, and they get kicked a lot. And, you know, we're happy to call them out when we think they make a, a wrong decision, but I think they need to take a lot of credit and have a lot of kudos. Yep. Uh, they had a huge amount of negative feedback when they said, we're going to bring in these super strict veterinary protocols. Overseas trainers went off their heads, said, we'll never come back, we'll never do this. The last three years since they have introduced these more stringent protocols, every horse has got around safely in the most important race in Australia. Sydney can say what they want. The Melbourne Cup is without doubt the most important race for Australian racing anywhere around the world. And we've had winners, very elegant gold tripper now without a fight, who are group one, wait for age class gallopers. And the quality of the race has certainly not diminished in the fact of the horses that have won the race. And
5: I'll say this, right, and this is a point that hasn't been spoken about. Without a fight, ran in the race last year. Previously, I think some of these imports, the durability may have been called into question and you run in a Melbourne Cup, it's so hard to come back. The next year, horses sort of go Look at All, of by them, the, all the ones that they ran may well had, had a
2: grounding here. Gold trip yep.
5: last year winning the cup, the year before, the queries about his health and well-being going into the race, doesn't that show that the trainers and the awareness of these horses, how to train them, how to prepare them, how to get that durability out of them has improved as we've seen more and more imports come in there, such a staple now of our racing. We know how to train them. Perhaps we know how to condition them better to get that longevity and that uh, longevity of performance as well. Without well, it's, it's now about
2: the second campaign, not the first campaign.
5: Well, he was seen well, last year as a failure in the yeah, Cup, wasn't yeah. he? He was in the market. He, he didn't perform to expectations. I think the wet track played a big part of that. He emerges, well, and there was that injury as well, out of the race. Then he emerges back through Queensland. They've worked out. Race him sparingly, but the the stable, the way they ha- and and not just the Friedman stable, but other other stables as well, like Chris Waller, etc. I think they understand these horses but, better.
2: But I think this will change the whole scene with the internationals. Like Werribee will almost become redundant because what mm. they'll start doing is I'll bring them through Micklem in August. They'll just give them that that 12-month campaign where they where it's about the second year they're here and not the first year. They'll give them all that grounding. They'll disperse to. Um, local stables—they won't have to jump through the, the, all the, the hoops that are associated with Werribee. I mean, Werribee had a trickle of horses this year. It's not going to take much for the look at every single horse that ran well in this race. None of them were a drop-in, drop-out horse. So, um, I think it's—I it, think the evolution of the of the nature of the the way the import the, the imports come here and, and race is going to going to really, really change. Even
5: interpretation who was pushing, pushing, pushing last year to get into the race. Yeah. I think he went to every qualifying race he could uh, and, and didn't. Uh, he, did, he ran in the Melbourne Cup last year, but he didn't, he didn't finish. finish. He failed to finish. Yeah. Well, here he is back... He's had one, two, three. He, he six runs into a preparation. He's run an enormous. He race. He's he's walked, finished faster
2: than any other horse in the Melbourne Cup. He's run Cup. an enormous race. Well, would racing Why in. wouldn't Racing oh, Victoria now be advising if you want to campaign horses internationally in the Melbourne Cup? We're going to have a, a, a phasing out period of Werribee. We're going to say to you, if you want to bring them down here for You're our keen to get rid of Werribee, aren't you? you are prize so ride. keen to get I rid of I Werribee. Just st- <laughs> uh, I just wonder whether because of safety phase, and, and, Werribee, and break it? and breakdowns at Werribee and the horses at Werribee. What are horses subject-
3: broken down at Werribee
2: no, this year? Michael, there were hardly any horses at Werribee this year. Werribee is the centre of horses breaking down and then breaking down in Melbourne Cups. It just is. Look at them. Lots Cliffs of the Moors. Horse broke uh, down this year. None. I'm not. Su- so can you, you just go. keep up with the conversation? You know no, what I'll are you? F- to, I'm think? trying
3: to understand your conversation because I don't see the logic. No, in because it. just
2: because none of the trickle that were there this year had an issue doesn't mean there isn't. So, so you shut it down. Well, I'm is just that saying. Your argument? If you realise that they are safer and better with 12 months under their belt, why wouldn't you just say to them, like, future missions to the Melbourne Cup involve you getting here in August and setting your horse a 12-month program. Whatever you win in the meantime is fine. uh, And and, and evolve out of the drop-in, drop-out syndrome. Why wouldn't you, you know? Because I think international trainers would still want to bring their horses here because those horses... How many horses were at Werribee this year? What's your your group of horses that didn't have a breakdown rate? About four horses?
3: Those horses that... Seriously. So you don't want to see Willie Mullins come back again. You don't want to see any of these. I horses want to see it done
2: as more of a, a tw- but then a he wouldn't train the mindset. horses. No, that's fine. I want to see an evolution into a more of a. You probably have an element of the Willie Mullins thing, right? But Fair under enough. your method, you won't. No, well, you might still have a trickle of horses there. But what which I'm saying is, what saying they is have this year. The overall mindset will change, and they'll bring them out here a lot earlier, and they'll come through Mickleham. They won't have to do through the CT sc- C- CTC scans and all that sort of stuff, which they hate. And it'll be just a slower burn to get them to the races. Like, as Shark said, every runner who ran well had 12 months under their belt. Yeah, but that's up that's to the great...
3: individual. Yeah, they can do that. But I don't know why you want to shut down Werribee and the internationals as well. Because do you know what? There will be more of this that occurs as a natural evolution because that's what the big it'll owners are It'll evolve more to what I'm saying. That's it what will the evolve that big way. owners are now doing. Gold trip, without a fight, the last two years are um, uh, the prime examples of that as well. But now, you
2: don't have to bring him through Werribee. Well, you can bring see, him through Mickleham. let's hear
3: what Willie Mullins had to say post-race because his two horses performed below expectations. Obviously, uh, the much spoke about and heavily backed Voban and Absurd was probably the best back runner on Melbourne Cup Day.
1: Well, I thought Absurd ran a cracker. He was in a position to win at one stage, come out the straight. Didn't see it out. Uh, but I thought... Um, Paul 1 was a little disappointing, all right. He was beaten, beaten too far out for my liking. When I saw him at six furlongs out with Ryan having to give him a little niggle, I thought that's too far out for him to be niggling him. And, uh, you know, and he just flattened out um, and ran very disappointing. But there we are. That's the nature of this game. Uh, we'll bring them back, see how they are. And... Uh, you know, we can we can still um, mix it with the two of them. They're dual-purpose horses. So, if if either of them had won here, they probably wouldn't jump a hurdle again. But we will uh, now that they didn't win, they're going to have to pay the penalty.
2: <laughs> See, if it wasn't for the big jump season coming up at Cheltenham that he'll want to set these horses for, and Punches Town and whatever. Like, it's in all likelihood I would expect Australian syndicates to leap all over the horses that have arrived, the Vaubans and uh, Absurd's, and that they'll probably end up with Kieran Maher anyway. So. Um, well, I mean, if
3: if they want to sell him, there's a good chance they could. Absurd wasn't bad. He only got beaten five lengths and ran seventh. But um, Voban was disappointed, as Willie Mullins said. He got beaten thirteen well and half lengths. That's he not well the Vauban
5: we side. saw no. over in Europe. No, he he didn't run his, his to his true form. I reckon the occasion, what the weather and the occasion. Going. I think uh, the, 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 I reckon that point as they turned around the corner, and you start to see those horses like the main chances start to blend into the race. And Voben and, and Absurd just start cruising into it. Most people would have said, well, here comes the favourite. No sooner had those words left your lips. But he was getting humped along to to go on and, and, and kick, and he just wasn't able to. Uh, meanwhile, without a fight, just stomps up and does what he does and G- blows it was, him away. <laughs> and it was,
3: it was a... Genuine staying contest was. The, the speed in, especially the middle Sections of that race there were a lot um, That were feeling the pinch early And it was um, the best Stayers who finished in the Top half dozen and that's What you get a horse like Shiraz At 150 to 1 who has run The race of his life Ash run it what about Dyson Sweet Juniors two Melbourne oh, Cups six so last big. year fifth this year and we touched on interpretation as well unbelievable we need to take a quick break on the other side of this um, we'll hear from Mark Zara's reaction after he won the Cup after nine o'clock we'll try and get hold of Sam Freeman. he's got a lot of media commitments uh, this morning but we will get him at some stage and we'll talk about what the future holds for without a fight could he be the next superstar of Australian racing could he be a wait for age star next season stay in four about the state of racing with RSN's Racing Pulse. Great to have your company as always. We love your feedback. SMS is 0416 90 50 52. Uh, a couple of SMSs here. Hi, guys. All the talk about Sulkham being unlucky. What about Foxy Cleopatra at race nine? Should have won easily. And I had a $165,000 payout with my multi. Oh, my gosh, Sam. Uh, bad luck there. I back Sulkham knowing full well that is Barrier Manners. Are bad. I also think Joe marira did a brilliant job and was wrapped. He at least got a place. Great race. Happy to see the protocols are doing their job. Um the coverage of yesterday's Cup on tenant.com was sensational. Um well done guys. Are SMSs? Um uh, Maddie, horses the internationals don't want to come out here for twelve
2: months. But um, what I'm trying to say is it's going to evolve to a point where the absolute minimum's where it be and the maximum's going to be the ones that'll come via an alternate way.
5: So, what about a West Wind Blows type situation? You know how the rules say you can only have X amount of runs going into a Do you Melbourne think, Cup? I think
2: that'll be reviewed, won't it? Well, would he have run in the Melbourne Cup? He had would, that rule not existed, he would have. After they realised after the Caulfield Cup that that they'd like to have had the opportunity, but they knew the rules when they came in. But so all I'm saying is, the, the evidence is increasingly there that the, the safer horses are the ones who have a year under their belt. So that's going to be that's going to be overwhelmingly what Racing Victoria is going to think. God, I hope more and more horses well, choose. Nick, Nick
3: Williams sent us a text, and and what he says is correct. He says the. Um uh, hang on a sec, let me get it here. The change is all horses in the Melbourne Cup now have to be CT scanned, not just the internationals. It's the same regulations for everyone. That is the key. Um, another uh, few SMSs. They're coming in so fast. They are moving as I'm trying to read them. Um, there's one good one here that said... Um, Imagine going to the UK for a year just to run in the King's stand. Um, Why would you make the internationals have to do the same? Racing Victoria and the visiting trainers have figured out how best and safely to use Werribee. Also, Romantic Warrior and West Wind Blows have run very well this spring carnival. Also, I believe all Melbourne Cup last stage acceptances have to go through the scanning. That's correct. Uh, Morning all. Big fan of yours, Michael, but Matt is spot on. Uh, That's from Paul in Adelaide. Um, and there's a few others on the on that very um, same line. Gosh, he's a hard read. Michael, please do us a favour. Shut Matty up. <laughs> Willie Mullins' knowledge of racing compared to Matt Stewart. I think I'll take Willie. Can you review how Shiraz was the expert's most despised horse in the race? What did every expert miss that saw him run a blinder for third? I didn't see him running third, Sharky. Um, we know he's a, a good stayer through the Sydney Cup, but I didn't think he had the quality or the class to run a race like that in the Melbourne Cup.
5: No, I didn't think he was going well enough. I think Chris Waller was vocal, wasn't he, in the lead-up, saying the odds were ludicrous about the horse? Mm. He was confident the horse was going well, but yeah, good luck to you if you found it and put it in. Happy days.
2: But if four or five really fancy ones don't turn up on the day, then the likelihood of a surprise packet, there's going to be something. Something will run out of its skin. Uh, time for nine
3: o'clock. After the break, we will hear from Sam Freeman We'll also cover off uh, the ride of Mark Zara, the beaten brigade in the Melbourne Cup. And uh, Sharky, he's a busy man. He's done the form to find us the winners Never on Oak okay. State
5: the news and stories from Racing's Heartland.
3: This is RSN's Racing Pulse. It's
4: absurd moving up on the outside for Zach Purden, A length in front, but without a fight is running on right down the centre of the track. Without a fight, up to absurd and declare and Shiraz, the Volta. It's without a fight. 100 metres to go. Two or three lengths in front, coming away from Shiraz and also Sulkham. Without a fight, Mark Zara, a Melbourne Cup champion, wins it by two lengths. Well, it's Mark
3: Zara Second and Sam Freeman, who is in the midst of the media whirlwind after you become a Melbourne Cup winning trainer and I'm sure he's happy to do it all. Uh, Sam, good morning to you. Great to have you on Racing Pulse. Did you wake up feeling any different this morning?
1: (laughs) Morning, Michael. Um... Yes, yeah, a little bit of a hangover, but um, <laughs> other than that, no, um, no, it was a, a terrific day. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, um, never really experienced anything quite like that in the hours that followed, followed the wind, but um, yeah, it was a, a great thrill, probably the best day I've had on a racetrack.
2: Tell us about the cloud nine night you had, you talk about the hours after it, tell us about where you went, the, how the evening panned out, who was there?
1: Yeah, so we um, we were at the races until uh, probably six o'clock. Went out to the Lexus Marquee, and um, it was really nice actually. There had uh, my cousin Emma and Georgia and their partners, my partner, um, and, a, and a couple of really close friends, just on a table for an hour or so, which was really nice. Um, you know, it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit chaotic in the in the hours that follow, so it was nice to just relax there and then. Um, We went to Crown, we went to the waiting room where we had um, what was going to initially be 20 or 30 sort of staff and friends which quickly grew into I don't know how many people towards the end but it was uh, was, uh, Frankie DeTorey walked in, Willie Mullins joined in at one point so it was... um, (laughs) It was great. It was good fun.
2: Did the adrenaline? I'm always worried about when fatigue hits because it's such. There's so much goes into it mentally and physically and and so on. But the adrenaline of having won the cup would take you a fair way. Was there a point in the night where it all got to you? Yeah,
1: I was. Uh, I was pretty. Um, well, I bet, to be honest with you, I, I didn't really drink much. It was. Uh, you know, you're on that adrenaline high straight after, and um, I got to about nine p.m. and um, yeah, I was, I was keen to head home, so I was home and in bed by 10.30, something like that. You're so too sensible, ready. Sam. You're,
2: you're 27 <laughs> years of age. What's going on? <laughs> Mark Zara would be horrified to hear that. No, no, no. I Mark's see the strategy. Doing,
5: it's just warming up, I think. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> I see the strategy. You, you look at this week. There's celebrities everywhere. There's sort of fashionista types. You've got to... Well presented, young rooster here. He's smelling a bit of uh, potential modelling contracts or something here. I reckon. So, would that be right, Sam? You know, you just you're ready to 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 schmooze and press the flesh if you need to. Agencies ringing and wanting to know if you're available.
1: <laughs> no, no, but it was it was a, an early enough rise this morning. You know, morning TV and all that. I didn't need to be uh, driving, driving, uh, driving after it too many last nights. So.
3: Yeah. And what you've was... got to shoulder the load on your on your own too because uh, your old man Anthony would have just been sitting back. Uh, I think I read, did he watch it in the Merricks winery where he watched the Caulfield Cup victory as well? Yeah, I believe he did. I believe he did. And then he was just mm. at, the, at
1: the farm with uh, mum and some really close family friends. So um, there's a really nice photo that circulated actually of, of dad and the cup, mm. um, I think 35 years ago. Um, so, yeah, look, he was... You know, obviously he was a part of all the success with Lee, and, um, but you know he was a, a lot of the time the man behind the scenes. And I think you know, for him to have his name on one, he won't mm. ever admit it. But um, you know, I think he'd be pretty, pretty chuffed, and, and uh, you know, he deserves it.
3: What was that first phone call like uh, when you were in the mounting yard after winning with your dad?
1: <laughs> it went much the same way as. Uh, at the Caulfield Cup, he said, Yeah, that was pretty good. You put a little bit more stress on pretty good. <laughs> so I think that was uh yeah, he was wrapped. Nah, he was wrapped, He sent a couple of messages late in the evening. Um, you know, saying he's very proud and, and um you know, we're just happy for all the staff. It's a lot of work that goes into it as I'm sure you all know. So um, you know, Elise who said heads up our Pinecliffe stables put in a lot of hours and Leanne who looks after the horse and Robbie Scarlett, answers. he says, he's prepped the horse up for this campaign. He rode him in Queensland, he's track work rider. And he actually had a fall three days after the Caulfield Cup. Um, he was on the mend, but he had to have back surgery. And um, So, look, there's, there's a lot of people that have made this happen, and
5: uh, we're all very grateful. There's, there's the dream element of the Melbourne Cup. It's, it's the race that anybody involved in racing, you know, lies in bed, Cup night and thinks, wow... One day, maybe, could it be me? Could it be my turn to be involved with it? You're, from a professional sense and a family sense, genetically everything else in your life, you've been around the Melbourne Cup. It's kind of, it, it, it's been woven through your family's history. Can you quantify what it means for you to have achieved that that success? Like what, what what does it mean for you as a professional, but also from the point of your place in the, in the Friedman dynasty?
1: yeah it's hard to put into words, I suppose what it what it does mean. I mean, I've grown around the race, grown up around the race you know the whole time, watched it every year, do a sweep with family friends as a teenager um, you know you remember Lucas Cranach, that was sort of thought oh. sort of he loomed up <laughs> at one point in that race um you know and and was on course for Mackayby's third and i I dare say that that strangely enough, you know there's very vivid memories of being on track in two thousand five and um you know, you, you grow up then just dreaming that you would one day maybe be given the opportunity to win one. We've had a crack the last few years, but probably not with horses that, you know, you thought were genuine winning chances. And um yeah, it's a, it, it it is something that I'm sure I'll reflect on and you know, I feel very humbled and privileged to be in the position that I am in partnership with Dad. I've been given a, a great opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've achieved something great. So, um, look, hopefully it can continue.
2: And I think every generation of Freedmen brings something different to the table. You and Will are, uh, you know, really well-educated, articulate. We had Will on... Uh Cracking the codes on Monday, and he that the SMS machine blew up with just how articulate he was, and describing the connection to Sub Zero and to the outside world, and uh, and and his father's relationship with Sub Zero, and what horses. You know, you strip away Melbourne Cups and everything else, and and so on, and prize money, and you come basically just down to the relationship with the animal and the way Will described. Just how complex horses can be, and how uh, how great they are for for um, human well being and things like that, and that just brings it down to the most basic element, doesn't it? So there's a there's a deep understanding there, isn't there, uh, throughout the family of of w- what these horses represent.
1: Absolutely, I mean, Will, Will's a very intelligent intelligent man, and he's um, he was there last night. He popped in for a, for a quick hello, and um, yeah, look, you know, we're both coming from a probably growing up a little differently to how you know our uncles grew up um you know we both worked hard at school went to uni and um (laughs) yeah and that was probably one thing that was slightly different and um yeah look it's we're in this because we love the horse and I think that that's you know ultimately where it comes from I mean we we wouldn't do it if it wasn't um a real passion I mean we wake up and Um, and do it every day and and, you you dream of getting days like yesterday so um, you know it was great to have a lot of family there last night and um, a lot of a lot of people reaching out so um, just felt felt very humbled. One of
3: those first uh, phone calls that you took was from your uncle Lee who won five Mm. Melbourne Cups with your dad and your other uncles what was what was that conversation in the mounting yard as well?
1: Yeah, he was very emotional actually. Straight on the phone, so he was he was absolutely wrapped. Um, just in how proud he was, and um, yeah, look, it got me a little bit emotional. He's, he's uh, you know, I've, I've grown up and been inspired by him since I was very, very young. Um, you know, if I could have uh, dreamt of you know ending up at some stage as half the trainer that, that he is and was, then um, you know, we'll achieved something great. So to hear from him straight after, it felt felt very um very fitting and uh yeah look i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him you know so it's um yeah, it was very important
2: this mark zara decision um that he said was 60 40 looking at the result yesterday should have been 99 1 in favor of without a fight and you and i had a very casual conversation a week or so ago about what he might be thinking about and what what, what level of involvement did you and your dad have in swaying him i i know that uh you know, there was there was a lot that went wrong with that without a fight before the Caulfield Cup, and I meant he only went into it second up. Was 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 the message from you and your dad to Mark uh, rate of uh, you know room for improvement off the Caulfield Cup?
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty much the how the conversation went. Was look, we we think that this horse will improve um, in the Melbourne Cup. He, look, he'd had a good preparation leading into the Caulfield Cup, but about ten days out, he. Uh, we missed a trial with him; his blood just wasn't a hundred percent. And it speaks to how extraordinary this horse is. I mean, we've spoken about. I mean, most horses that would have um, would have had a bad blood ten days out from one of the biggest group ones of the year would not, uh, you know, would not have performed to the level that he did. And so once he did, and he came through the run well, which was important. Um, we were quietly confident that he was going to run a better race yesterday, which he did.
2: We were having a spirited discussion earlier about what this year tells us about how the approach to the Melbourne Cup may 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 evolve uh, in coming years, and the use of Werribee or Mickleham, you know, to give them a year under their belt and so on. And without a fight, Shiraz, Sulkham, all of them, all of them had a at least a season under their belt, and it, it's an important grounding for these horses.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, he's look, he was a hardy older horse when he came out last year, and it has to be said, I mean, he was very well managed with Simon and Ed Um He came out here as a, I don't know, he started $7 in the Melbourne Cup last year. So he had form on the board, didn't get conditioned to suit, um, but he's had 12 months basically conditioning him for, for, for this day and you know, running on firm tracks, which he loves, getting used to the speed in these races, Um you know, a little bit of travel in there and, and a slightly different probably training technique with him um, you know I think it is important I think a lot of horses can get to a Melbourne Cup and get overawed with the with the uh, with the occasion I mean its yesterday was hot there was a massive crowd and, and our horse couldn't have handled it any better um, you know he's a he's a seven-year-old at the peak of his powers who's been you know fairly lightly raced for a seven-year-old Um and I think that speaks to probably that European model where he you know, was probably given time to mature and, um, you know, train for what he is, which is, you know, a staying horse and, and not run that frequently. You know, he'd only be running once every four, five, six weeks, which we've tried to emulate here. And, um, you know, he went from the Underwood to the to the Caulfield Cup and um, he, he can show a real turn of foot on that sort of break. So um, there's a lot of factors at play. I mean, there's no... There's no um, secret as to how to win the Melbourne Cup, but there's definitely different models that, that could help.
5: Do you think that's gonna be a key with imported horses in Australia sort of in the future in, in terms of keeping them at their peak is, is trying to replicate how they would race or how they would be trained in the UK as opposed to slotting them into that two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is Australian format where we sort of tend to run on the bounce a bit and 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 chase that prize money
1: yeah every horse is different i mean you look at gold trip last year he, he ran in the you know, cup cox plate and won the melbourne cup mm. so every horse is different um but you know that horse is an entire gold trip so he you know they often need just that little bit more work this horse is a, a gelding who's very fit i mean he's been fit since june so we've not really had to overwork him um and that's probably one thing that they do in Europe is they've got them fit for the whole year. So, you know, yes, you come up to the spring, but you, you don't get as many physical setbacks because they've been at their they're at their optimum, you know, fitness-wise for a long time. So you're not having to be that hard on them. Um, you know, he's just had a couple of pretty easy gallops since the Caulfield Cup and... Um, you know, we missed the trial going into the Caulfield Cup, but he was already pretty fit. I mean, for him, his work that we give him is more just to take the edge off him so he doesn't over race. And the old man was actually pivotal in... Um, we worked in Caulfield Cup morning. We just gave him, a, like, a, an easy trot and canter. So we did the same again yesterday. And the two best... In terms of how his manners have been in the run, they've been the two best that he's been. to he takes the edge off him and he relaxes so well. The little things like that, and that's just experience from dad, and um, you know, those little things that are mm. little sliding door moments. So,
3: it's very important. What well, well, do you see the future as for him now? Because he's, I mean, he's created history. He's only the 12th horse that's won a Caulfield Melbourne Cup double, but he's shown in Brisbane that he's got that turn of foot, that could really be competitive and any weight for age race you want to aim him at as well so what do you envisage the next 12 months for without a fight
2: could you just keep him ticking over and run him in the australian cup
1: well i mean that's probably a, a logical run for him in the in the autumn i mean we i don't know how he'll go in the paddock we'll find out later in the week we put him in the paddock in queensland and he ran the fence for a week so we brought him straight back into work um I'm not sure I'd have to chat with his owner, Sheikh Mohammed Obade and work out what we um what we do with him. I mean the world is oyster. we would be happy to, to take him anywhere. He's yeah, we think he's
3: he's up to a very, very good level and um So overseas you know, international thinking. campaign you're thinking?
1: Oh look I will chat to his owner but you know there's a Shima Classic, something like that, which is in Dubai. Um he's actually running that race I think before. Um you know, there's also there's plenty of options for him. I mean, Sydney is probably not one of them. He's uh, he doesn't handle soft ground. I uh, wouldn't want to take the chance that you know we'd get a heavy track. So Queensland again would be a possibility. But um, I'd like to be doing an interview with you next year on the Wednesday with another Melbourne. <laughs> I was going to say, could he?
3: You know, he's probably going to get 58 next year if he wins another race, and after the way he won the Melbourne Cup, so or 57 and a half at least. Uh, um, but he's only got. Twenty-seven starts or something now. So, is that what the the long-term goal is? You'd like to come back again? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the horse will come first,
1: and if he's sound and well, and he's moving well, and um, all of that. But you know, yes, he'll go up in the weights. But I don't know the way the Melbourne Cup is at the moment. There's a whole lot of horses on on the minimum, you know, fifty kilos. But yeah, I think a lot of the time that they probably just lack the class of the horses that are up in the yep. weight. The weight wasn't gonna stop him yesterday. You know, he could have had fifty eight, it wouldn't have mattered. So um you know, I think that it's changing a little bit the cup. I mean, hiding a horse from the handicapper is not as easy. You've still got to be a very good horse. Um you can get in with no weight, but if you you know, if you're if you're not good enough it doesn't it doesn't matter.
2: But, well, yeah, the compressed weight scale. It's it's an easier repeat race than it was when the, the, the gap was far more vast in the weight, Sam. Mm.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, one last word. Just we haven't even mentioned it, but this the, the ride of Mark Zara, um, mm. just phenomenal to be on the fence where he was. And then it was very Glenn Bosk-esque, the way he sliced through the field. Mm. Yeah, look, he's, he's the best, isn't he? In these big races, he he
1: went in with a plan we, we barely spoke about tactics just to get him to relax and um you know he, he did the rest but he just he's got such patience when everyone takes off he just sits and waits lets it all unfold and you know he's done the same thing on a whole heap of our horses you know you look at him on super Seth. he did the same thing you sort of get them late he's got great timing and a finish so um no, he's at the peak of his powers and he, he deserves all the success he's getting
3: Mate, enjoy it. Well done. Uh, The afterglow of the Melbourne Cup victory. Uh, I'm going to ask you one obvious question. Have you got one more winner over Cup Week?
1: Um, i tell you what. Today it's Cup Week, but we're at Kyneton. I thought... um King's Taj was a big price. He's, he seems to be flying something. He was 10 to 1 maybe, so he'd be uh, one to look out for.
2: Are you clear-headed enough to give us a good tip though, Sammy, right now? <laughs> <Hey, here>? don't <laughs> doubt the boy. He's, he, he's just done. He's just to melt He might have just, just plucked one out of thin air there. If he wants to tip one at $10, mate, just be quiet <laughs> uh, and follow
3: him in. All right, we'll let him on. go with that. Uh, race 5, number 9, King's Taj. Good on you, Sam. Um, well done
2: yesterday again. All right, cheers, Um. Yeah, the the other one, and it's like bar talk, but it's you know, um, is it hard to argue that there's a better jockey now? Is he he the you know when these jockey rankings come up and all these international measures, is you know, is is J Mac necessarily the best Australian? Well, he's got a bit of Dusty Martin in him, doesn't he? That on the big
5: stage he performs. Yes, he's a massive, big race jockey, isn't he? Mm.
2: It Changes week to week, I know, but uh, he's top of the pops now, isn't he? Hey, boys,
3: let's just take a quick break because I want to have a chat to Damien Oliver who's going to join us. His final ride in the Melbourne Cup, he had another winner yesterday, and then Mick Sharkey's going to dissect the Oaks Day form. On
2: radio, digital radio, the app and streaming.
4: Racing Pulse. Where's Barber? Still about two off the lead but starting to launch. Wiggum moves through at the 200 metres, took Perilous Fighter Capitalisation, then Barber. It's Wiggum with 100 metres to go in front. Wiggum is holding them at bay and Wiggum! Wiggum has won it from Barber second, Headbobber third between uh, Wigham
3: giving Damien fighter, Oliver, Oliver a win on his final Melbourne Cup day. Uh, no joy in the Cup itself, but that certainly brought a smile to Ollie's face and Two days down, we are nineteen races through thirty-seven of Melbourne Cup Week. And Damien Oliver in his final Melbourne Cup carnival is leading the jockeys Hell with yes. the most wins on three. Ollie, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Uh that's obviously satisfying to get a win on your final Melbourne Cup day. Tell us overall what was what was the day like for you? Was it a little surreal as well in the build up to the cup and then after the cup?
0: Yeah, it was a great day. It was such good weather. You could just feel the the crowd building throughout the day. Um, and it was a massive day. It was you know, it was kind of felt like we were going back to the you know, the glory days of, mm. you know, twenty years ago when we used to have those massive crowds. So it was a you know, it was a it was great atmosphere out in the track
2: there yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen a more star-studded star-studded group of jockeys, Damien. the 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 boys' jockeys room with Ryan Moore, Joe Marreira. It's like they'd come from all over the world to sort of give you a final handshake.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, well, that photo they did of us all in the mounting yard for the race it was kind of like a footy photo. It kind of it was pretty good touch. I felt, you know, with all the. Star jockeys and you know the great jockeys we have in Australia and the emerging jockeys as well. So I thought that was that was brilliant.
2: Just, just Ryan Moore, like he never says anything. He's actually cracked it for half a smile in the photo. Uh, was there any anything said with the great English jockey?
0: Yeah, actually, both Ryan and Joe um, went out of their way to shake my hand yesterday and wish me all the best because you know I mightn't see those guys um, again or for a while anyway. And um, you know they're both champions and um, and Zach as well. Great to have him there, and um, you know, yeah, I and mean, even some of the young jockeys and the, and the great jockeys we've got, and you know, some of the, the female jockeys as well. It was just a, it was a great gathering of, um, you know, world class
5: jockeys. I'm intrigued, Ollie, by Ryan Moore, sort of away mm. from the eyes of of the media or the public. You know, in the jockeys' room, or I don't know if you've had much to do with him away from the track. Is he? As sort of deadpan as he appears to be <laughs> when people are asking him questions about his rides or how he went, or is he cracking jokes and a bit bit more uh, lively?
0: No, he's pretty quiet, Ryan. Pretty private sort of guy. But um, you know, he's probably not quite as um,
5: <clears throat>
0: reclusive, you might say, in, in the jockeys' room as he is to the media. But mm. you know, he's, he's a man of few words. But when he does talk, he he makes a lot of sense. He's um, you know, he's, you know, probably what you. are Describe as a bit
2: of a man's man, Ryan. <laughs> His sister never shuts up. Like she was, she was the one who used to do that. She's Maybe that's she's great. She never get a word in. Yeah. No, exactly. So between them, they're about normal. <laughs> uh, and just, uh, th- 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 I think the thing that I love most about the cup is, you know, when that photo was taken that. That amazing fifteen or twenty minutes in the mounting yard, as things start to really warm up, the horses come through the tunnel, the the buzz of the crowd seems to get louder. That's it's kind of priceless. That that fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah, there's a, it's a build up like no other race. You know, with the national anthem, um, obviously the celebrities and the and the, the the stars and the the music, Delta Goodrum singing, obviously, and yeah, it's a build up like no other. And obviously with twenty four runners and. A massive amount of connections all there, it's, it's, it can be quite overwhelming. So, But um, all the horses were really well behaved yesterday. Sometimes when you get that big of atmosphere, they can lose it a bit, but it was, um, you know, it was pretty good yesterday.
3: What do you make of Mark Zara's ride in the Cup, Ollie? You've had a couple of cracking Melbourne Cup rides. Uh, was it one of the best you've seen?
0: Yeah, it was just a perfect ride. He um, found the fence from a wide gate and got behind the right horses although he was probably following me, not probably one of the right horses. But he said, I, I didn't really want to be following your horse, jo- uh, Ollie, but I knew I was following you and I knew you'd be knowing where you were going. And I had uh, Gold Trip and and um, Vorban in front of me. So, um, no, know, when he went past me, like I was nailed to the fence, I thought, oh, he's going to be hard to beat.
2: Just on some of the, the big flops in the race, Vorban and, and others, uh, could some of them have just not handled the day, the the mixture of the really warm, sweltering unseasonal almost weather, um, and, the, and the buzz, you almost get a bit of heat off the crowd as well, Is it was it a sort of a melting sort of scenario for a few horses that weren't accustomed to it?
0: It might have been a little part of it, but um, I had a look at those two European horses they didn't look great in the coat to me um, you know, obviously they're changing seasons and also, I when I analysed Vorban's two runs, you know that was a you know, a restrict not a restricted race, but not a strong class race he ran on at Ascot and very slowly run. He kind of really had the race handed to him. And then when you look at the race out of Ireland as well, Valiant King had run pretty average here in the Caulfield Cup. So I felt the form probably was a little bit misleading. I mean, he won by big margins, but, you know, he hadn't raced in any sort of a real hot or strong or strong class sort of race and that was a brutally run race cup yesterday you know when you get a gay waterhouse and a lloyd williams combination in front you know they're not, there's no going to be nowhere to hide and it was it was a pretty uh, constant strong tempo throughout the race yesterday. You weren't
2: surprised by that. It sounds like you thought it might happen with Gay and Lloyd, but it was really, it was really full on. I mean, I know it wasn't a record time, but it was a tick over three eighteen. It was. I don't think I've ever seen a more brutally run Melbourne Cup, other than the one where Aidan O'Brien sent out the, you know, the scouts about fifteen years ago. Yeah, well,
0: I'm I'm sure there has been some stronger, you know, strong similarly strong races run in recent times, but they never seem to rest in that middle stages where, where you can. It was pretty constant tempo throughout the race.
3: What do you make of, of Sulcum? Uh, I don't know if you've been on many horses that refuse to get out of the gates like he does, and and Joe Marrera's ride. There's been a bit of, I think, unwarranted feedback saying that he, he, he could have ridden the horse better, but it must be difficult when you're on a horse like Sulcum.
0: Yeah, we all know what a great rider it, Joe is, but that's the... Um, Dilemma when you bring in a you know a jockey that's not used to riding against the horses and jockeys all the time, and you know I, I kind of thought it was a, a strange move putting someone like Joe on in that sort of race on a tricky sort of horse. He he had the back of the winner and probably what I felt was one of the horses to beat, and then went for looking for runs elsewhere, and and obviously didn't get him. I felt, felt if he'd had stayed on the on the winner's back, not sure he would have beaten it, but he certainly would have got pretty close to it.
3: So are the international jockeys that are superstars and we are in awe of them like Ryan Moore and others that fly in, fly out. How difficult is it actually to do that? Especially someone like Ryan Moore yesterday. He just had the one ride. He just landed from over in America, the Breeders' Cup, one ride, and then he's on the plane again. How difficult is that?
0: Some of the top jockeys can nail it and get it done, but it's not an easy task. I've done it myself, you know, ridden around the world. When you go into a different track... You're not familiar with the horses the the jockeys the trainers and just how the horses are running and and just the little things you know it's it is it's, it's difficult and it's it's certainly a big advantage if you're riding regularly here or in the same place and you know the horses the trainers and the jockeys and the horses really well
2: and they only get one shot at it it's not like they can go okay now I'm familiar with it let's go again it's it's over in an instant isn't it
0: absolutely yeah hey
2: tomorrow's your day
3: Seven Oaks you've won and you're on a good chance as well Basselina uh, tomorrow for Emma Lee and David Brown hit the line really well in the ethereal at Caulfield. how do you see the Oaks tomorrow
0: yeah I think I've got a good chance I've been really pleased with Basselina's lead up runs and um, yeah I think she's got a good chance
3: and you've got a bit of a I suppose guide on one of the other. Uh, opposition horses because you rode Athelflaid on Saturday in the Wakeful and, and she hit the line really strongly as well. What are your thoughts about her as an opposition tomorrow?
0: Yeah, I think she'll run the distance no problem. Um, whether she's got the class or not, but the distance certainly won't be a problem, but I'm happy enough with the horse I'm on. I'm I've, I was committed to her after the uh, ethereal and um, she's drawn a good gait so I'm really pleased to be on her.
2: Ollie, I, I don't know how sentimental you are but I just keep looking at this photo with you mm-hmm. in your last Flemington with the greatest group of jockeys I've ever photo. seen. It's a great, I don't know what you've got on the walls or your mantelpiece but are you going to get a, a nice big print of that and, and whack it on because it seems to represent a great deal about you and your career and your, your position in the sport. I, I think you need to I know you're often careful with money but you might need to spend a few bob on on getting a nice big print of that
0: yeah thanks mate that would be a nice uh one, nice keepsake that one but i'm not real collector of uh racing photos or that all the stuff that i do have is probably more in storage not up on display have but, you got anything on the uh, wall uh more just family ones i think uh, family photos maybe a few at the races with the family but not not racing photos no oh
2: all right, we'll get it for you, and then, and then, and then how does that make it easier to put it on the wall? Uh, yeah, that might make it easier to get past City Hall. Yeah,
5: yeah. That, that jockey's photo was such a great addition. Mm-hmm. I think yesterday to that that prelude to the Cup, and it it gives I don't know, Matty, as you say, if if you're a, a jockey that's maybe having your first ride or mm-hmm. you don't know when your next ride in the Melbourne Cup's going to come, it's that great moment in time snapshot, but. Oli, it's that also. You made the link to, to the footy photo, the team photo. It's a great great way to to make that link for the general public out there to, to recognise the jockeys as sports people.
0: Yes, absolutely. And when you know when you've got um, superstar jockeys from all around the world, it does um, just remind us all what a global event it is. Mm. And you know, great to have all those jockeys
2: there. Uh, the goal, the walking up the fairway photo, is that on the wall. Um... You, no, Greg, Norman. I... Who was the other one?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Warnie and and Gazy. Yeah, I haven't got that yeah. one, but that was a memorable day. Yeah. Is
2: it? You've got nothing on the walls except family portraits.
0: A little bit of art, but um, oh yeah, right, that's about some it. dot
2: paintings.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Ollie, you're leading uh, rider at the halfway point of this Melbourne Cup Carnival. Can you can you hang on? And could you imagine winning uh, the? the jockey's title, the most successful jockey in your final Melbourne Cup carnival ever?
0: Would be pretty cool. I've only got three rides tomorrow, but they've all got chances. I was looking through j book. He's, um, he's certainly got a few more better rides than me, but um, I'll be trying hard, don't worry. Saturdays, I've got a few nice rides as well, so it'll, it'll probably come down. I need to be riding winners more so than places, just probably with the, the number of rides I've got compared to you know someone like j
5: Ollie in the last on Saturday. I reckon that will be one of the most well-backed runners of hope the week. I hope he got a ride in the last on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: know yet. I'm not sure what the last is going to be, but we've got the, about six rides. So We'd better, hope, we hope better, better
5: get Racing Victoria to make, make sure the put one of the pool pool races is going to be on you, Ollie. Absolutely. There's going to be 300 be, million on be you. The on sentimental sa- the sentimental
3: <laughs> <laughs> Have they organised anything uh, that you know of as yet? A, um, uh, a final
2: farewell for you uh, at Flemington on Saturday?
0: Not that I'm aware of yet, but possibly. I don't
2: know. <laughs> hey, uh, middle day today. No rides at Kaiten. What's uh, what's on the agenda today?
0: Got golf on today. Nice game of golf. Ah. Where are you playing? Um, I just down that down the sand belt somewhere.
2: Okay,
3: He's, he still keeps his cards close to his chest. Doesn't mm. he? Is it is it a is it a cash a hole, cash money per hole?
0: Uh, it could be. You never know. <laughs> Not a big punter on the golf course, but I'm sure that we that we something. Um,
2: Worthwhile at the end. Yeah. I, uh, good on you, mate. Uh, I reckon you're probably getting get a bit sick of your own farewell. We just keep bombarding you every day. I think you'll be glad when it's over. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. And I reckon we've nudged you enough where you're going to have a think about that photo. Uh, thanks, mate.
0: Hopefully, you will still want to talk to me at some stage next year.
3: <laughs> well, I did like the comment where you said, "I'll be back here Melbourne Cup Day next year. I'll just be a, a fair few kilos heavier." Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be.
0: um Living the, living the dream next year.
2: Do you reckon you're a blowout man, or do you reckon you'll retain your physique? Um, no, I'll, I'll
0: probably put a little bit on, but I'll hopefully not get too big. I want to keep myself pretty active, but just be a bit healthier.
2: Yeah, no, no
5: muffin top type. Who's no, big, surfing no. or keeping trim? Uh,
2: who's been the biggest recent blowout? Uh, Higgs, it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed himself. Um there's no Darren Jarman type situation.
3: No, the AFL footballers tend to blow out more than the jockeys these days, don't they? I think Buddy will blow
2: Michael out. He's got
0: that hasn't t- done a bad job. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah
2: he's a bit tight, isn't he? He's a bit button yes. poppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking healthy. Yeah, in inverted commas. Jeez, you've thrown him under the bus. Uh, Ollie, good luck tomorrow, mate.
3: Thanks, guys. All
2: the best. Uh, Damien Oliver there. Looking uh, healthy. Looking healthy. I like that. You're looking
5: healthy, Matty. <laughs>
2: I did a K in the Bay yesterday. I think that's quarter. what I'm We're saying. $2. You're looking healthy. I had to go to a two dollars shop to get a, a hat that was a cap, a swimming cap, and I set on it for for children three years and up. Oh no! <laughs> and oh. I squeezed it on the gigantic well,
5: your, melon. Your head is because like I need to keep of the, the and it was child. aware
2: that the heat gets retained through the, to the through the noggin. Just quickly,
3: a couple of really good <laughs> stories out of cup day as well. The South Australian form to the oh, form, yes. Sharky. It was great to see that, and um, the win of um, Jamie Carr on the map. Um, when she used mm. to live with Oppie McGilvray um, That was really good And, and the Magstar For Tatiana Fideszka Are you going to get yep. Tatiana on, on The big V? Because that was just a Magical story for her to have a winner on Melbourne Cup Day.
2: Wasn't it? And uh, I think it was probably A story that got missed through the Racing coverage yesterday uh, I don't think .com quite grasped the uh, Tatiana story, it's fair to say uh, But we're going to have a chat to Tatiana uh, Fideszka, I think Ukrainian background. Yeah. Obviously, and has that going on. Ukrainian
3: the crest on the colours. Yeah,
2: yeah. Big story that um, probably passed everyone by a bit yesterday, but um, we'll certainly have a, a good chat with her today on the Big V.
3: Roll on high is a nice Philly well, I'm going to have a chat to Catherine Coleman a little later. And um, we can't forget Warmonger as well.
5: Um, uh, well done. A, a nice a win, Cup week win.
3: A bloody, that's
5: Day. The weakest. Winning celebration I have ever seen. Oh, ooh, go on, go on, please. Oh, I think you got there. Where was the ripping your shirt off? Haven't you revealed to your missus that you've actually got a share in this horse? Did you have to?
3: It's not like uh, your Ocean Embers
5: stage managed. You were so polite. I
3: I want to see unbridled
2: passion. But Ocean Embers was a bit psychotic. Those shark, Are well, you, you, mean, you got nice.
3: 10,000 on the punt innovation, of Ocean Ebers. I didn't do that yesterday with Moment. So, uh, well, maybe, anyway. Um, yeah,
5: you've got where's the unbridled, unbridled passion? That's well, what we want we'll from you. We'll see where, where he goes Lift. next,
3: maybe in 12 months' time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Maddie, we'll see you a little later on big the big V. Sharky's gonna hang around because we need to oh, find well. some Oaks Day winners. Come on.
2: Stay informed about the state of racing with RSN's Racing Pulse.
3: Welcome back to Racing Pulse. We've got a special edition today because uh, the Shark has done the Oaks Day form. So if you're if you're behind at the halfway mark, don't despair because we still have two days of good racing to go. And it, I think overall has been pretty tough for the punters the first two days of the Cup Carnival Sharky. So we need to find some winners. We'll look at the Oaks, which will take us up to 10 o'clock. And then when we come back after 10 o'clock, I'll get your better bets on the program and we'll whip through the quaddy legs for tomorrow. And don't forget... Uh, There is the full punters panel tomorrow morning on um, RSN. So you'll get to have the full set of form from the form gurus as we do on a normal Saturday. Uh, So the Kennedy Oaks tomorrow is race number eight. Uh, Just having a look at the market, the favourite at the moment, as I update the app, uh, is... Zar which has been well backed, it opened up four dollars. It's now under two dollars and ninety cents. Tropical Squall, who was the early favourite, eased out to three dollars ninety from the Waterhouse spot. Stable Amazonian Lass, who won very nicely on Saturday, beating Zar Dozy in the Wakefuls at nine dollars fifty. Serve cold, thirteen bucks might be overs. Comes through that Geelong um, lead-in, Baselina, We heard from Ollie eight fifty, and Athelflaed's also given a chance at around about nine dollars fifty. So. So Zardozzi's been the one that they want to back, Sharky. I know she was beaten on Saturday, but she certainly wasn't disgraced. A couple more strides, she probably wins the wakeful. Is 290 a bit short, though, for her in the Oaks? Um,
5: hmm. It's – I don't know. It's, it's I think it's a fair enough price because she was finishing pretty strongly, wasn't she? And there's stamina in her pedigree, so you would suggest – it would suggest that she's going to get the trip without too many issues. Uh, if you like backing favourites in classics, I think she's look at two ninety. I think she's a, a pretty solid. She's a pretty solid play, isn't she? It's just whether you think the pace is going to be on to suit her, like it was on Saturday, whether they're going to going go over. overly hard. You know
3: what two waterhouse runners in the yeah, race. but they're not going to attack each other it's going to be a it's not going to be a sit sprint
5: it won't be a sit sprint they'll it's they will roll along tempo. at a tempo to suit themselves they're not going to roll along at a tempo to suit every other horse in the race served cold would be the other natural on speed horse the rest of these like to get back they really do they like to balance up and finish off so i don't know i don't think james McDonald will want to stand tropical squall and amazonian last too much of a start. No, by the four hundred, you wouldn't want her to be as far back as what she was in that wakeful. She will run on and hit the line really, really well. But if the the two Waterhouse bot runners kick and sustain that effort, they're not going to. They're not going well, to stop. Tim going to be easy to run on past a,
3: a Amazonian Lass. I was prior to the wakeful, and it was just a masterful ride from Great Tim Clark. Clark. The way he he eased and got a breather and then went again, which made it so difficult for those at the back to make ground.
5: Yeah, Yeah, it it was a really, really good front-running ride as Tim Clark can produce, you know, on numerous occasions. She comes across from 13, Tropical Squall's in three. I think they balance out and sort of settle first, second, or if Serve Cold wants to kick through from 11 and be there, maybe Tropical Squall takes a little sit. Maybe that's the way they want to play the game there. Both horses will be really hard to beat. Amazonian last probably has another couple of kilos added to her because I'm on at massive odds. So we all know that <laughs> just doesn't happen. Uh, you, you don't, you know, often sh- they you, you get on at, at the huge overs and they run a nice second, third, or fourth. She's still so a big She's still nine
3: dollars fifty.
5: She's not sixty-one dollars anymore though. Well, are you
3: going to the races tomorrow?
5: No. Mm. We
3: could have seen some outrageous Mick Sharkey action, if
5: you will. Well, you might notice my voice is a bit crackly. We've not been ripping them home of time the recent times. My vocal cords are straining a touch. Don't forget
3: forget you're in here Friday.
5: And also, I've got to be on 10 on Saturday, so I've got to look after the pipes a little bit. Look after those wind pipes. I'm a bit bit thick in the wind of late.
3: You're going to have to have
5: something that you can chew down on instead Pharyngitis, of... Pharyngitis, that might be what I've got. Uh,
3: I, well, let's hear what Adrian Bott thinks about your $61 early play, Amazonian lass, and also Tropical Squall in the oaks. No, hard to, hard to split them. Um, obviously, Tropical Squall showing shown plenty
1: of brilliance. She's uh, yeah, She's been excellent in this campaign, and um, yeah, I still thought she was very good and very brave in defeat there last start. She's trained on nicely since that. She's no doubt the sharper of the, of the two horses, but... Um, yeah, I think Amazonian Lass has got some great staying potential and she's got some good stamina on the female side. She relaxes beautifully. She's got a lovely racing pattern as well. So, yeah, hard to hard, hard to split them.
3: Well, if Amazonian Lass has got greater staying potential, maybe Amazonian Lass Sharky is the one that you would want to be
5: on over 2,500. Yeah, I, that's the way I've settled with it. She's my, my top pick and I've got Zardozzi splitting Amazonian Lass from the stable mate Tropical Squall.
3: What chance served cold? We saw um, Cosguy come out of that Geelong Classic
5: and run really well in the derby. Uh, Smallfield, she was the beneficiary of a, a very good run in, in transit there and was able to, to get the work done and get the win. I just think she's a, a, a rung below. I don't know if that Classic form is the right form for this race. Uh, Harlow mishandled her pretty comfortably before that in that Oaks preview. I was going to say, do you give Harlow Mist a chance of turning the tables on an Amazonian lass out of the 2,500? To me, physically, Harlow Mist looks she's like tiny. she's an autumn yeah. filly. She's she's light and lean. I think this preparation might throw her right forward and we could be looking at a much better filly going into the Sydney Oaks or the Queensland Oaks. A couple of others
3: I want to ask you about. Baselina, um, it was a, a good run in the ethereal.
5: Doing a really good job in its first prep. I think that's important to note. You know, fifth run in to its first prep, stepping to 2,500 metres. Yes, it's it's tracking well, but that's a big challenge for a young horse. Same scenario
3: for Athelflaid. Uh, first preparation, fifth run, just continues to run on in every race.
5: Yeah, I think she's probably, she looks to me like the more natural stayer. I think she she is just screaming for this sort of trip. Gets a long way back hits the line yes I could see her running a place whether they go hard enough for her to, to sweep home and win I'm not sure and the other one that
3: continues to run on in every race that she's in is Ethel Maud we know uh, what Pat Carey does with these stayers. she's by smart missile uh, yeah and
5: I'm waiting for smart missile to pull her up you know at a point I think there's a there's a distance where the smart missile factor might might be an issue but who knows? Trevor Delroy can breed a stayer. We know that uh, he he doesn't guess with his pedigrees, so he'd be confident. I'd suggest that there's enough stamina there on on the dam side to carry this filly through. Just
3: like in the Melbourne Cup, uh,
5: we can see a hundred to one shot a bolter run a place. We've seen
3: that in past Oaks Day um, performances as well. Is there a roughie a bolter that you could see running into the placings?
5: Um, don't know about that.
3: Another you um, with Jamie Carr. I know it got beaten a long way, but it was hitting the line at seventy to one.
5: Yeah. Look, I'd be surprised if those up in the towards the top of the market um uh, succumbed to something at, at a massive price. I just don't know if there's the the quality there from that group. Probably Ethel Maud at twenty to one would be your, your roughie, your best roughy. Yep.
3: All right. So um your official on top selections for the uh, Oaks?
5: Amazonian Lass is my top pick. And I think Zardozzi will be uh, repeating the 1-2 from the Wakeful on the weekend. All right. So, Quaddy, how many would you throw in the Quadi? Uh, 1, 2, 3, and 8. 1, 2, 3, and 8 in
3: the Quaddy. Tropical Squall, uh, Zardozzi, Amazon, Lass, and the 8, which is Athelflaed, so no Baselina for you in the quadi. I'm just going to risk Baselina. All right. Sharky's retirement fund uh, could be paid out in the Kennedy Oaks. Uh, Amazonian he at $61. Mm. When's that happened with you? Send us an SMS. Uh, when did you get the overs and the overs got didn't bite you
5: in the behind? It's <laughs> already bitten me because, you know, the the other bet that I took was tropical squall in the flight into Solcombe in the Melbourne Cup, oh. into Amazonian Lass. Now, Ooh. that would have been a retirement fund. What was from, that? My friend. What was that? A, oh, l- a large amount. How much was that? A large amount. All right. Well, well, you But lick, it didn't happen, so no. well, you it will your, only be and, another And you know tail. what? That's
3: RSN's um, listeners' great bonus, because we'd never have heard from you again if you did get that. <laughs> uh, we need to take a break for the news. When we come back, we'll look at the other Quaddy legs at Flemington tomorrow and get Sharky's best bets on Oakstay. From racing's heartland, this is RSN's Racing Pulse. Welcome back to this special uh, Oaks Eve post-cup day show on Racing Pulse, and we are now looking at the Oaks Day meeting. Still to come, we'll catch up with Catherine Coleman, and we'll also have a chat a little later to Emily Brown, who has a very nice chance in the Oaks. And then, don't forget, after eleven o'clock, it is. Kitan Cup Day today. What a beautiful day it would be at Kitan. Such a mm. picturesque course. Mark Hunter will find us the winners for the Kitan Cup program as well. Um, Sharknado, we've had a look at the Kennedy Oaks. You are hoping and praying that Amazonian Lass will be winning uh, when you got on at the $61. Your four numbers that you're putting in, the quadi are one, two, three, and 8. Zardozzi, the main danger. Tropical squall and also... Athol Flate. Uh, just on the early card races, I want to focus on the Quaddy, but we'll whip through a few of these. Um, the Ottawa Stakes, what's the what's the mail you're hearing with a lot of these two-year-olds in the first?
5: Uh, I think, well, as you'd expect, the four first starters all look to have ability. I reckon Tessa's choice is probably the best of those. In its jump outs, it looks like a horse that likes to sort of steady up and then finish off and be strong through the line, or maybe that's what uh, Mick Price and... Michael Kent Jr. have been teaching it to do, but it's certainly been flooding home in its jump outs and trials. looks to have good talent. Uh, I think race form will be to the fore here. Hayasugi, daughter of the great Royal Meeting, made a really, really good fist of it, I thought, in the English banner at her first start. There was money for her too on that occasion off some good trials. Uh, didn't really have the best run in transit and stayed on really well behind Bol Bastille, who... He looked a little bit of a cut above, didn't she? So I think Hayasugi can get the job done. Chosen Legend was behind Hayasugi. I don't know if it can turn the tables here on the face value of that form. I think Arabian Summers, probably the other one. Coleman looks to be a, a really nice colt yep. in the making. Arabian Summers, really slick, you know, sharp, sort of uh, daughter of too darn hot. And there was a little margin there to third.
3: And The, the field queneled uh,
5: the Maribyrnong plate yesterday. So they've got a good
3: handle on that two-year-olds.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is this is just a natural two-year-old Arabian summer. Uh, Hayasugi on top for me, but as always, interested to see how uh, the debutants go. Mick
3: Price gave Hayasugi a good push this morning yeah, he did, when he was he? talking about Tessa's choice in the mm. race as well. Interesting. Um, so that's the first, the Ottawa Stakes. The market at the moment has uh, en- Eniza as the favourite. I'll speak to Catherine Coleman about that, a debutant yes. from... They're stable as well. Race number two at Flemington tomorrow. Anything in this race
5: you keen to back? Uh, I thought there were three sort of standouts in this race. There's good speed in this race. Starian was great first up at Pakenham in a small field. We've seen Forbidden City come out of that race and run really well yesterday at stakes level. So that gives some strength to the form. Um, Starian typically is probably better when she gets to... You know, this 17 to 2,000-meter distance range, she's run fourth in an Australasian Oaks. That's pretty good form for Mm. a race like this. I know she's got top weight, but I think she's in this up to her ears. Probably wouldn't want the track too wet, I would say that. So just monitor what uh, ground we're on tomorrow. City of Lights, really good run and win, I thought, at Kenzo. Uh, Knocked off its stride a little bit, kept coming to the line, beat Harlow Mist. You know, again, the form's pretty strong around it. I don't know if Takumwa... Or Takumwa, however we're pronouncing it, is ready for for a three year old to step from a maiden straight to a seventeen hundred against the uh, against the older mares. But gee, that was a really good win. I thought at Ballarat. There's an engine there with that filly. Uh, probably Star round for me at this point, if the track's good. Actually, I think Manny will well, get Manny Never just to have a
3: chat to Limo Keep off air to see how much rain they copped last night after the races. The rail moves out to five for Oakstay tomorrow. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that plays and what the. Um, it's a warm day today, but again, they're tipping showers later today mm. as well. At uh, the Good Friday Appeal race number three, this is a very big field and an Ooh, open tough, race. Tough, is, tough. There, is there anything you want to back here show? Uh,
5: not really. Little mix would be the tip if you pushed me hard for one. I thought the Arthur Baskin form line was good. Went to Eagle Farm in a comparable race to this and, and got there just in time as a short enough favourite. Uh, yeah, Blake Shin takes a ride. She handles all ground. Probably if there was some rain around, it would favour her. She'd be the, the pick, but I don't think I'll have a bet in that race. Yeah, it's a tough race. It's a, an $11 chance little
3: mix, number five in race number three. Uh, race four is the Inglis bracelet. Uh, Roots has come out. It's been scratched already, as has Queen of Dragons, who ran second yesterday. So, Foxy Freed is the favourite at $2.90. Um, or, oh, sorry, second favourite. Climbing Star, who they scratched because of the wide gate, was saved for this race. It's got gate three, Willow on board. It's $2.70. So, Uh, those two at the top of the market are clearly ahead of Matron Bullwinkle. Um, Do you like Foxy Frieda or Climbing Star in this race?
5: Going in a different direction, I just hope there's a a bit of speed generated here, maybe by a couple of those at bigger odds that that want to get forward and maybe try and hold on to some of the thick end of the prize money. I really like Matron Bullwinkle each way. Really do. I thought her first up win at Flemington was great. She's two for two at this venue, it's worth saying. Caulfield at her next start, just got too far back and and didn't look to get around the turns of that track as fluently as she does the long straight at Flemington. She won a similar race to this last year. I think it was Cup Day. It was a 1,700-metre mare's race. This is a little bit stronger, but not really. I think it's 750. She's a great each-way bet.
3: So Matron Bullwinkle, J Carr on board is the play in race four. Um, each way from Sharky in the English bracelet race four, number four. Um race five is the Mum. Uh century stakes over a thousand metres. Now spacewalk on the backup. Jamie Carr got the job done on Derby Day. J Mac jumps on tomorrow. It's the favourite at $3.90. Gee, Cannonball's an interesting runner. Sharky, yeah, isn't, isn't he? It? Back from Royal Ascot. Um, no doubt would have been um, Trained up to be very competitive In this race It has yeah. been easy in the market though three thirty out to $4.80 And um, Generations the other one That is given a good chance at $5 And then Najim Sahail I don't know what to expect tomorrow Do they just put the handlebars down again he, If he does start He's obviously pulled up well Because gee That was an incredible run on Derby Day
5: Yeah wasn't it something else Uh why wouldn't they adopt similar tactics? Obviously what the horse likes to do is get out and free roll and, and burn along. So I don't think
3: the jockeys have much choice. <laughs> he's,
5: he's a naturally fast horse and, and I think he's really competitive. I saw a good little interview with Amy Johnson and um, Matt DeCock at Mornington on Sunday talking about this horse and he said, look, he's he's going to continue to run those sort of times. There'll be a race that goes his way. Maybe it's this one. Uh, Not a betting race for mine. All interest in Cannonball and how it turns up. Has trialled twice in Sydney. Has won them both. Um, I've probably seen it trialled more impressively. It's, it's winning them, but you would kind of expect Cannonball to win any trial it was in. A couple of them, he's just been rubbed along to to go and do the work. Maybe he's just been carrying some condition and they want him to have a good hit out. The market will tell the story. I'm not betting in that race. All right. Hey, let's get Liam O'Keefe,
3: uh, who's yeah. uh, on the line now, just to give us a bit of an update on how the track has um, fared over the first two days of the carnival. It's played really well, as it always does. Uh, morning, Liam. Morning, gents. much hey, rain actually hit Flemington. Um, it was... Just starting to spit when the last race was run and it was looking fairly dark when I left the track. Did you cop much over the last hour or two?
6: We only received 1.4 millimetres. There were sort of scattered storms around Melbourne, which was the forecast, and we certainly received the lower end of that. So we actually ended up putting 6 millimetres of irrigation on um, and that's left us back in the good four range uh, this morning. We got to a good three later in the day yesterday. So we're back in the good four today and there is some storms forecast again this afternoon. So we'll just have to wait and see what plays out there.
3: And how's the track holding up? It's holding up well. Uh, we put plenty of water on
6: um, on Cup Eve just with that really strong northerly and thirty degrees. It was quite hot. So starting off early in the day, you've, you've almost got to have it a little bit too soft early to have a perfect later for the Cup. So... Um, we are in between that four and a five um, during the morning and then um, a, a four to a three uh, just after the Cup. So it panned out really well. Um, it was quite a long, long testing day. Track's come through it well. We've pushed the rail out a further three metres to the five-metre position. So covers most of wear and tear around the home turn and then there's just some even marking across that inside seven or eight metres in the straight.
3: When do you think they'll start to get off that fence where it uh, has been pretty busy?
6: traditionally Oaks Day they normally edge off um after a few races um but in saying that this is probably as good as it's it's ever pulled up so i think we'll get get a fair few races out of the fence um it's probably going to depend too on on the storms later if we get the eight or ten mil that is the upper range of forecast we'll probably be on a five in the morning and if we just get two or three millimeters we'll be on a be on a on a good four so um that'll probably have an impact on how, how the inside holds up uh, during the day tomorrow. Milder day tomorrow. Any rain forecast? No, no rain tomorrow. Just just a chance of a storm this afternoon. Clear tomorrow, fine, 22 degrees, just light, southerly winds. And then it's back up to 29 degrees on Friday and then back down to 22 on um, Saturday. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag, but um, it's all working well so far. Uh,
3: you've done a good job so far. Do you like anything on Oaks Day?
6: Um have not had a look in. to be really honest How have you busy, not got so. time to be doing all the
3: form Liam. <laughs> no.
6: Disappointing no,
3: no. I'll wait for Champions
6: Day. we'll, we'll have a go
3: there Alright we'll launch then no, Good on you mate Great thank you Liam well, Uh So it sounds like the track will play pretty well as it has and get off the fence as we normally see on an Oak State uh, First leg of the Quaddy Sharky will drill down on this race and it is a big start to the Quaddy because it's the country uh, Cup, Melbourne Cup Country Carnival Final and it's a half a million dollar race. This series has been really um, well received as you would imagine. Big, big field wide open race. The favourite as we speak right now is Euphoric who was enormous first up $4.50 but oh, there's a host of chances in this
5: race Sharky. Who are you with? Oh Gee the barriers sort of dented my confidence a bit. I'd thought if Poison Chalice drew a gate it would just have gone and won this for fun. But from 20, ooh, it's going to take some riding from James McDonald on what is a lightly raced and still pretty new sort of horse. I thought Von Hawk's effort at Geelong was very good. He needs one to come out here to get into the field, but just got up on speed and wanted to be a bit keen in running. I thought he stayed on really well. He was a sitting duck over that last 200. So hoping he can get a softer time of it from a good gate if he gets a run. If he doesn't, well, there's an absolute swarm of them. You mentioned Euphoric. First up, he was great swarming home and winning that race. I thought Helix could improve. He went to that listed Chautauqua. I think as a bit of a bridge between the Benalla race and this race just to keep him up to the mark. Blinkers go back on. Uh, he'll go forward and give you a really good sight. Uh, there's another one here too I think that's worth a mention. His hit form of late, number 15, Pur.
3: Good luck to Warren Huntley hey, and the and, team.
5: And the late uh, Dean Lester, know? of course, was in the ownership. Big, big, big result for for Robbie Griffiths if if this horse is able to win. Not only did he train it, but he bred it as well. So, big Gee. fan. Of, yes, big fan of, of Magnus and, and Gail's been a decent producer uh, for, for Robbie as well. I think they've had a few handy winners out of that mare. So, definitely in the game as well. Uh, Von Hawk on top. I'll have something on Poison Chalice, but the barrier is... Well, it's tempered my enthusiasm. Mm, a shade. They're both
3: six dollars and fifty cents. All right, I'd imagine there'll be
5: a few here. Give us your quoting numbers. I think you have to put two euphoric in. You definitely have to put six rogue rocker, eight poison chalice, nine helix, and let's go fifteen magna pur as well as seventeen von hawk. All right, so we're at
3: two, six, eight, nine, fifteen. Seventeen in the country final. Race number seven is the Red Roses. Uh, in this race, have we got any early scratchings? No, no early scratchings as yet. And uh, another race. This could be a big quaddie, uh, Oaks Day. Um, Mumbai Muse, he's drawn, or well, she's drawn 19, down the straight, $4.80. Saltair Tragedy Beaten at the Valley, $7. <laughs> um... But it doesn't end there. Cigar Flick, a $9 nah. chance as well. So who have you got on top here?
5: I think Cigar Flick's a really good each way play. Now that Danehill form looks like it's pretty solid, doesn't it? And and prior to that, running up against Tis Invincible, Kimochi and Co. Uh, if there's a little bit of give in the track, that won't hurt this horse's chances. I think Cigar Flick's a really good chance, but yeah, it's a deep race. App and Girl will improve on the Caulfield run. Just got too far back and and didn't really get a clear crack at them. Had been jumping out really well. She's probably the forgotten horse, I think. Saltaire, you mentioned that. Um, One at a price that I think should go in your quaddie is number 15, Here Comes the Star. Hmm. Uh, Got into a really awkward spot first up at Ballarat, and I like the way it hit the line. Uh, John Maloney's pretty canny with his placement, of, of fillies like this To maximise black type potential So if he's happy to run it here I would suggest it's good enough And Ollie on board mm. um, Alright so you'll be maybe
3: having a little play On Cigar flick cigar I think it's an each way bet Yeah nine
5: bucks I think that's an each way bet
3: And your quoting numbers
5: quality numbers 3 Saltaire, 5 App and Girl 9 Cigar flick Then we're going a little bit wide here I guess 15 Here Comes the Star 16 Heart of Glass I'll probably, you know what, I'll probably put Bossy Nick in as well. She's been disappointing a little bit, this preparation. I thought she'd really elevate second up into that Tranquil Star. But interesting that she comes back to a sprint trip here. Mm. So maybe the stable, just have that feeling that she's a a pure sprinter rather than a horse that's going to to head towards a 1,000 guineas. So put one Bossy Nick in as well. All right. So one, three, five, six.
3: 9 15 16 in the red roses. The Kennedy Oaks, uh, the numbers for Sharky are one, two, three, and eight. Uh, his on top selection is number three, Amazonian last to beat. number two, put Tropical Squall and also Athelflaed in the quaddy. And then that brings us to the last, which is over 1800 metres. It's another reasonably deep race here although we've got one standout that's been very well backed highland jack is the scratching uh he's getting in tight now grigolino uh, grigolino at two dollars and 30 cents ran well at caulfield a firm um i thought it was going to win on the home turn it looked like it was traveling and it fought on well uh, this looks a a more winnable race barrier six should get a good run is, do we just trim this last leg up
5: uh, potentially, probably want to see Greg Alimo go and put a race away before I get super super confident about him. He's going to have every chance. Blake Shin from Barrier Six, you know, at a, at a distance, it looks like uh, the horses have to play in at the moment. I thought there was value here with Thirteen Seb Song, mm. who was very unlucky uh, last time. I think it's fair to say, had it had it got out a little bit earlier, it would have beaten Rhinoceros. It's going pretty well, Seb Song. And this is the sort of race down in the handicap that it could make a late dash and and put a bit of a uh, an effort up here. So at fourteen dollars, I think it's a decent each way play. Uh Holly Man's is a must for your quaddy, Premise is a must for your quaddy. Greg Limo as well has to go in. That's they're probably the ones I'm focusing on in the last four, six, eight and the value thirteen.
3: Four, six, eight, and 13. Uh, so Grigolino goes in six premise at a decent price. It's a $10 chance. Uh, the eight, which is Holy Man's, uh, $4.40. And the 13 goes in Seb Song at $13 as well. So that's the Sharknado Quaddy. We'll put that out on social media. Uh, best bit of the program? Oh, look, I
5: think Matron Bullwinkle's a really good Ooh, each way price in the fourth. Yeah, I'm happy to have a bet on Matron Bullwinkle. And Cigar Flick also. It's, it's a bit of a theme for the day. Each way odds. Each way odds there.
3: all day. Um, Steve from Midbet, what are you doing? I've missed the Shark's Oak tips. We've said it four times. Uh, <laughs> Sharky has his retirement on Amazonian Lass. He got on at $61. So he's so with can't the win. Lass. Is that what you saying? Just to beat Zardozzi in uh, the Kennedy Oaks. Uh, Sharknado, enjoy your Oaks Day. We'll have you back here for the regular Friday form Focus. And what a day Champions Day is going to
5: be. Can't wait. It is setting up beautifully.
3: We'll hopefully have the final fields in the next uh, few minutes. We're waiting on them to drop. We'll take a quick break. Uh, We'll have a chat after the break to Catherine Coleman, who had her first winner as a trainer over the Melbourne Cup Carnival yesterday. A nice filly. Hopefully she'll give us a few tips as well. And we'll catch up also with Emily Brown, hoping to win the Oaks tomorrow.